are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Your Bibles today, Acts chapter 2, we're looking at the subject of revival these last several weeks, and we'll continue to do that. Next Sunday is what we call our big day. We're trying to get to 115,000 doors this week in our city and area, knocking on doors and visiting people and getting them here. And our pastor, Cooper, will, who's an evangelist, will be preaching next Sunday. We're praying that God will give us souls. And I hope you'll be much in prayer. That would be a good place to say amen. And we look forward to that. Revival. Revival is where we have a recognition of sin. Where I don't look at your life, but I look at my life, and I recognize it's a sin. When I repent of that sin, not that someone else gets right, I get right. And a renewed desire to serve God. That's revival. God is not, revival is not so much of necessarily me getting a hold of God, but God getting a hold of me. No telling what's going to happen in a church like this when God gets a hold of us. We looked the first week at revival, and revival is conviction, where God says that's sin. Get rid of that. And God convicts us if you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God, and if I'm saved, the Holy Spirit, and I am, the Holy Spirit of God lives within us. That precious Holy Spirit, one of his duties and function is to convict me of sin. Jack, don't do that. That's wrong. Ah, you know, at Disney, they, Jiminy Cricket, he, 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 let your conscience be your guide. No, as a Christian, it's let the Holy Spirit of God be your guide. He'll say, don't do that. Don't say that. I should not have said that to my wife. I should not have said that to my children. The tone was not right. The attitude was not right. And the Holy Spirit of God will seal our mouths, but do we obey? And when when we are in a state of revival, a a desire for God, there is going to be conviction of sin. There's going to be conviction. And then secondly, we saw last week, there'll be conversion. People will be getting saved. It's been so wonderful uh, as we've watched this year, so many people trusting Christ as Savior, door to door, house to house, uh, at this place, at that place, in the hospital, uh, at church, people getting saved. That's the duty of a church, to go out and preach the gospel to every creature. I mentioned last week there, was recorded over 7,000 churches that did not have one single convert in a year. It's not a waste of tithe and offering where we don't see one person come to know Christ as Savior. Something's wrong when a church is not seen, people get saved. So we saw conviction and we saw the subject of conversion. Now today in Acts chapter two and verse 46, as you read there with me, the Bible says, and uh, they continued daily with, what's the next two words, church? One accord. One accord. There's unity. Uh, there's many words. I'm staying with this word, see. It just helps me when I preach, when I keep things like this together. 
And so we could say coupled together, but I don't want that word. Um, combined, uh, we get these people, they're combined, that's okay. Uh, we have the word colleague, I guess, or connect, and uh, that's overused, it seems like. Companionship or comrade, but I like this word because it describes what we're trying to see happen when there's revival, we'll be compatible with one another. We'll get along with one another. The elderly will get along with the youth. Yeah, I'll tell you what, all these young kids in this church, that's not revival, that's being an old grump. I'll tell you what, all these old people in this church, that's not revival, that's disrespect. That's sin. Well, I'll tell you what, we got all these minorities around here. Talking about white folk? Not here at the North Valley Baptist Church. That's, that we don't need any laws to, to regulate how we get along with one another. You saw 300 uh, Hispanic folks on the platform a week ago, uh, Sunday night, as look what God's doing in our Spanish ministry. And if people in this auditorium, red, yellow, black, brown, white, they could not stop weeping as they saw these people have come to this country from all these various countries and their love. The Hispanics walked out of here that night and they called me pastor and I don't get to preach to them. Pastor Sloan's over there preaching right now. But they said, you know what? We always knew it, but we are convinced the North Valley Baptist Church, we are one. They love us, we love them. No government's gonna legislate us to like one another. But when there's a nation of, there's a people of revival, there'll be revival, we'll love one another. Whether old, whether young, red, red, yellow, black, brown, white, they're all precious in their sight. We'll love the lost. We'll love the people behind prison bars. We'll love the dope addict, the drug addict. We will not be, and say, well, we've got to get, to, we've got to get men educated how to treat women. No, we don't need to get them educated. We need to get them converted to Jesus Christ. He will make the difference. What abuse class you go to? You don't need an abuse class. You need the Bible. I'm talking about today that when a church sees revival, we are compatible with one another. Re revival and unity go together. I am not talking about compromise. Well, you believe this. I believe that. We can all, all roads lead to heaven. All roads don't lead to heaven. There's a narrow way that leads into life and there's a broad way that leads to destruction. I'm not talking about kumbaya, we all get along. I love you, you love me. We're a great big family. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God's people, a saved man and another saved man, a saved lady and another saved man, a saved family and another saved family. They're not leaving church mad at one another and finding somewhere else to go. They get things in unity. And when a church and a church is having revival, there's a compatibility. There's so much excitement about it. I tell you what, I was so thrilled, you fellows in my class this morning, because we have a hundred and some uh, young couples in there today, and I had a, a stack of a hundred gospel invitations. We have 5,000 for our class. I'm gonna have to borrow some from some other classes, because on Tuesday night, we're on two bus routes, seven and 12, and I have an army of them signed up, said, we'll be there on Tuesday night. We'll go on those bus routes and knock on doors, but I'm out of tracks. Why? Because there's some, there's a camaraderie, there's a compatibility, there's a vision. We're trying to accomplish something for God. This world is lost, and the time is ticking, and soon it'll come again, and you're either saved or you're lost. 
yet we've spent so much energy with God's people, thank God not here, but so much energy is spent trashing another member. Well, we go to Facebook. How we go to whatever the different social medias are, and we, we blast one another, we talk against one another, and we gossip against one another. There's envy and there's strife and there's jealousy and hatred. That is not God's plan. God's plan that they were in one accord. I've read some books on revival recently, the last several months in preparation, and every revival instance, I noticed that every place that God historically in this country, beginning back in the 1700s, the 1800s and the early 1900s, every place where revival broke loose, quarrels ceased. That's the word they use, quarrels ceased. You've heard me say it before. There was a revival going on so many years ago in the church, but nothing was happening. And the preacher was preaching and nothing was happening. And it was a stone wall. And finally, after several days, a man on this side stood up and he said, I'm gonna tell you something, pastor. You're preaching, you're wondering why nothing's happening. It's because of me. I have a problem with that man and his family. And the whole church knows I've had a problem with him and he's had a problem with me, but I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about me. It's my fault. And brother, I'm gonna meet you down here at the old fashioned altar. And if you'd like to, I'd like to pray. If you don't come, I'm still gonna pray because I am wrong. He came, wives came, kids came. They knelt and they prayed and the quarrel was solved. And guess what? Revival broke out in that church. If there's aught in your heart, toward another Christian brother, you're not right with God. And so here they were in one accord. I want you to see in chapter one, back up, I'm asking to turn to your scriptures a little bit today. They all continue with one accord in prayer. One accord in prayer. We need to be one accord in praying and praying for one another. We have a sweet, godly man that's in the presence of God today, he's passed away. We don't need to pray for him. His journey is over. His journey's complete. He's in the presence of God, but there's a family that we need to pray for. And there's a son, two sons and a daughter and a wife and grandkids. They need our prayers today. All that's being in one accord in prayer, united together. There's a prodigal son you might know of, or there's a husband that's lost, or a wife that's lost, or a church member that has somebody in their family that's lost. There's somebody that has a need. Oh, that's what a church does. They assemble in one accord. I remember 1963, they were getting ready for church right over here in little Centerville, and Gary jumped the bottle brush. And he jumped that bush and he was screaming, Pat, my brother, Mr. Treber, brother, man. Talk to my parents. Just come quick. Well, my parents went next door. And their son, Ronnie, was coming home from Pillsbury Baptist Bible College, Minnesota. As they began to come, they hit Casper, Wyoming, the road with four lanes and three lanes and two lanes. And on the big turn, instead of being turned this way, the road was built this way. And that car, that old 62 Pontiac, it wrapped itself around a pole. Dr. Arnold Winnegar, Archer Winnegar, and Dwight Winnegar went through the windshield, broke the windshield, and, and George Samadoroff on this side where they hit, he was the one that was least injured. And our neighbor, Ronnie, a great pitcher, a great ball player, a great handsome young boy, he was in life or death. I'll never forget that church service that Sunday night. I remember when I was sitting right over here in Centerville, Irvington District, 
And our pastor said, I'm not preaching tonight. We've got one of our boys that he's on, he's right on the verge of dying. We've got to pray for him right now. We've got to pray. And our church went to prayer. I can remember people weeping and praying, praying that he lives through the night and he lived. He was paralyzed to the day many years later, God took him home, learned how to drive a car, but no longer did he pitch. He was paralyzed from the, 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 the chest down. But oh, I tell you what, I recall when he was moved over here to Stanford Hospital months later, and I can recall as a teenage boy going up there to see him, and people would drive us up there, and I remember seeing that big strapping young man. I thought he's alive because God's people prayed. Our church wasn't worried about gossip that night. We weren't worried about positioning ourselves. I find there were one accord in prayer. I find there were one accord in verse 60, uh, 46 where we read chapter two in the temple, the place of God. They were one accord in prayer. They were one accord in the place. I find in chapter four, verse 24, they were one accord in persecution. In chapter eight, verse six, they were one accord in preaching. And again, in chapter 20, 15, they assembled in prayer together in one accord. Churches need to be unified in a cause that's not about themselves, but it's about the things of God. If you would, I'd ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I appreciate the way you're listening so carefully. I think you listen so carefully because I believe our church is desiring to have God control our church. I believe not only the good days that we've seen through these years, but I believe the best days are yet to come by the grace of God. But it's gonna take a people that's sold out to God and sold out to one another. I wanted you to see that what took place here in chapter three of the book of Corinthians, I could not speak unto you spiritual. He's talking to the church at Corinth, but as a carnal, even as babes. Verse three, are yet carnal? Watch what he says, carnal people. There's envy, there's strife, there's division. He says that in 1 Corinthians 1.10 in chapter 11, verse 18, there's division. These are Bible words. Our church ought not to ever have division. I'm sitting over here because I don't want to sit by those people over there. I'm sitting up here because I don't want to sit with these people down here and vice versa. I'm sitting over here because I don't believe these people belong in this country. We're letting too many in. I'm sitting over here because I think uh, this, this, this crowd over here seems a little bit poorer than my class. I don't want to be around that. We've been, we, and not, not all bus people are poor, I'm telling you. We brought up 1.6 million people to church on those buses and largely, not all, but largely the poor. And I'll tell you what, I love them. Those buses are pulling in here today. They come to the side windows, they're open about this much. Hey, pastor! I'll tell you, that's music to a pastor's ears. I love those bus kids. I love that bus kid that came in so many, many decades ago and he's become a preacher of the gospel. I love that bus kid that became a missionary. I love those bus kids that are people, adult members in this church, and now they're bringing their, I love those bus kids that are in a Christian school. I'm telling you, friend, tonight, there cannot, today, there cannot be division. God says in that text that, that, that there was division, their carnality, their strife. Strife means simply they're just contention. 
I don't know about secular employment where you're working. Sometimes, you know what I'm talking about, you go to work and you can feel it, it's just contentious. You can cut the air with a knife, it's so thick. It's not a happy place. Sometimes churches are that way. I know these pastors that are here, other pastors in our church, but I know you've traveled so much and sometimes you get to a church and so many churches are so wonderful, so great and the same. Sometimes you don't know what it is, but you just know there's something wrong. For 40 years and I stopped traveling like this, but I traveled Monday and Tuesday somewhere all over America and I'd preach. And friends, you don't preach that many times for so many weeks, for so many decades, for so many years without getting a feel on church. I could walk in and could feel the presence that it wasn't right, something's wrong. And there've been so many times I've been trying to be prayed up and ready to go, but I'm sitting in the lower part of the auditorium, I'm sitting right here getting ready to preach and the Holy Spirit of God says, don't preach that. Nobody tells me, I went to churches and the pastor said, we want me to tell you about a few things that are going on in the church. I said, please don't, please don't. I don't need to know anything. I don't need to know who's disgruntled, who's bad, who's happy, who's this, I don't need to know. After the meeting, you want to tell me, Tuesday night I'll take it, but not before. Let's see if God will show up. And I try to get a read of the crowd during the, the congregational singing. And if the choir sings and the special sings and if the pastor makes announcements, I try to get a read on that crowd. And I say, oh God, I believe I'm supposed to preach this, but please change it if you will. I'll be willing to do anything. And so many times God has changed it in the last moment because I know something's going on in that church. I'll be honest with the people. I'll say, I don't know, but God led me to preach this. I don't, no pastor's never told me anything, but I sense tonight that God wants me to preach this message. It's an amazing thing when God gets in, there needs to be a compatibility with God's people. Well, it's not fair this church. We spend all our money on and we get all upset about where we invest the work of God. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Oh, what a verse this is. 2 Corinthians 12. And she turned there today. The Apostle Paul was dealing with this church at Corinth. They had all the spiritual gifts. They had more gifts than any other church. They came behind in nothing. But they said the problem is you have interworkings of the church that are against one another. Now you have all these gifts you're even a giving church financially. But there's problem in your church, you're carnal, you're fleshly. Notice what the word of God says in chapter 12, and I want us to read verse 20 together. Chapter 12, 2 Corinthians, verse number 20. Let's read it together, shall we? Ready, begin. For I fear lest when I He says, I'm afraid that there's going to be debates. What is debates? Just strife. Isn't it a beautiful day? No, it's not. Just strife. Hey, we're so glad your family's in church. I don't think you are. 
the strife. That's not God's people. That's not the way we ought to behave in God's house. It's too cold in here. You know, I know there's so many zones, I don't even know how they all operate. And I know you can operate it from your cell phone from another country if you're in the system. I probably everybody's gonna try to hack in and do everything they can now. But I know there's some zones that gets cold and some zones it gets hot. Watch this right now, there's no problem if you're cold. How many are cold right now in the auditorium? It's cold in here. Two. One in the second row and one in the last row. I'm sweating, it's hot in here. Now, you try to be the maintenance engineer and get that straightened out. Well, I don't like the lights in here. Well, why don't we form a committee? Well, why did they paint it that color? Well, because the women told me to. Now, come on, folks. That's what the word here to be debates and then envy is we're just jealous. Now, they really think there's something with that new car. They really think there's something with what they have. They really, it's jealousy. And God says that will, a church will never go forward when there's jealousy. I learned something early, it was the Holy Spirit of God. I, 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 had, a, I had a new car, oh, back in the 70s or 80s, and, and somebody said to me, oh, it must be nice to be rich, be a pastor. And I looked at him and I was just having fun with him. I said, don't blame me on your prayer power. They laughed, I laughed. Hey, you want a new car, pray it in. I'll go get another job and work it in. But when someone shows up on the parking lot, we ought not to have a caustic attitude that, oh, it must be nice. World needs help and you're buying a new car? Yeah, we're eating too. And that's what the Bible says, envy and then wrath, it's explosions. We have to understand, that's just who I am. I'm a German, we explode. Well, I'm an Italian, we just explode. Well, I'm just, no, you're a carnal Christian is what the problem is. And then he says this, strifes, strifes is just contention. Come on, put them up, put them up. I'm ready to go, let's fight. I thought of Barney Fife when I did that right there. Put them up, put them up, I'm ready to go. Great preacher of the faith. Backbitings. Whew. Backbiting is to gnaw away at people. I'm going to hurt them. You know, people live this way. The person they're taking it out on is not the issue. Their issue is some other root problem. It's generally, it, so what, they're 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. It generally goes back to the root of their family. Invariably, they have the wrong relationship with the mother and the dad. Something happened, some scar happened. And the Bible says backbitings and whispering. Hey, Brother Martinez. Yes, sir. I don't want anybody to know this, but I just want to say something to you. That's what, that's what this is. It's whispering. It's finding ourselves in the corners of the church. Guess what? And you're not planning a surprise birthday party either. That's whisperings. It's slandering people and tumults. 
Two moles says we're going to hurt people. And swellings. Propped up and proud. You know, this church is fortunate to have a person of my caliber. I know. You think you can sing, too, and you can't. And tumults. God says, I, I, I go back to that backbiting. It, it's trying to hurt someone's reputation. Why would you want to, or why would I want to hurt another person's testimony? When I read that word backbiting, it's seeking to hurt someone. I don't know. I have no idea. I wasn't there. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and Brett Kavanaugh. I, I don't know. But somebody's not telling the truth. Someone is blatantly lying. Someone says without a shadow of a doubt that this happened. The other said it did not happen. Someone's lying. What they're doing, they're backbiting. They're trying to affect something for good or for bad. If you're not part, I'm not talking about covering sin. If you're not part of the problem or the solution, leave it alone. And do not lie. I read about a man who was released from prison after 26 years and he was convicted of a murder and sent to prison for 26 years and just this last summer was released because it came out that the person that pinned it on him came forward and said, I lied. They took 26 years away from that man. I don't know if he was married, I don't know if he had kids, but it took 26 years away from a marriage and from being a father and from being a, a, a church member, whatever it may be. He took 26 years of his life because of backbiting. I'm gonna ruin him. Hey, do you hear what happened to so-and-so? Wow, they really, why, why would you do that? I've told our church so many times, I recall when Chelsea Clinton was up here at Stanford, and back then you didn't have a security. We had so many girls knock on her door and try to win her to Christ in her dormitory from the college years ago. But when it was coming out that her dad was lost his purity with his wife, Oh, I, was, I didn't vote for Mr. Clinton. I was pulling, I was pulling, please don't let that be true. I don't want it to be true. I didn't want his wife to have to hear that. I didn't want his daughter, who was 20 minutes up there, I didn't want his daughter to have to hear this nonsense. I didn't want our children to have to hear it, our president. Why are you happy when you hear garbage about someone else? That is an evidence that we're not in revival. I look at this word, gossip, which throughout the Bible, it just means to rumor things around. I look at the word malice. Let's just be mean to people. A man was the president and our country was at war, but we are at war with one another, the Civil War. And an aged Abraham Lincoln. And in 1865, when the second inaugural address, he stood there at the Capitol same building that now stands, and he said this, with malice to no man. But what is malice? Malice is meanness. Meanness. 
I believe, I believe this is true. I believe I haven't watched the news all year on the television. But I must confess I have a phone. It doesn't have all the internet capability, but it shows me the headlines. And it popped up a video the other day of 26 teenagers. I saw a man coming, I think, in New York or somewhere out, and, and they, they attacked him, nearly killed him. And it shows them stomping on his head and kicking him and taking his clothes and stealing his clothes. And they videoed it, and not one person said, hey, let's stop. That's only going to get worse and worse unless there be revival with the people of God. I beg for revival. I plead for revival for my whole life. And I would have revival, it mean I'd be I want to get right with God's people. How good, Psalm 133, one, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. I've lived a good long life. I hope I get to live long, longer, but I've been in church for a long time. As I grew up in our church as a boy, once in a while, I'd see a member get crossways. And I've seen it all through my whole life. When I went out to college, I saw it. I'm so glad I was raised in a home where my dad would not tolerate that. We're not going to get involved with this, son. Leave that alone. It's none of our business. And when a church has revival, there's a compatibility. It says, I, I love that dear brother. I'm going to pray for him. He must really be having a hard time. It was a difficult thing this week to go to my prayer journal and insert another name, Amy Perino, widow. I see that list of widows in our church. I often think of them at night alone. I admire the widows and the widowers so much, but most of we have widows here. It's difficult to add that. It's also difficult for me to say, I've, I've waited, God. But this, this, this person is so backslidden. I, no one will ever see it, but I put their name there because I don't want them to live that way, and God, I know you're not wanting to live that way. I have our business people on my prayer list on another page. Because imagine the huge pressure they're under. Did you ever pray for these men and women with businesses? And if they succeed and do well, then they're going to get sued. You ever pray for them? You pray for these single mothers and single dads. Are you praying for them? Do you pray for them? Are you praying for the people as they age? Are you praying for the people when... They say, I'm going to give up my driver's license. Are you praying for people that are lonely in life? Oh, may this church continue to be what she has been for all these many years. A church that says, I love that person in front of me or behind me. I love what God's doing with our teenagers and children. That's when you have revival. And you know, Pastor Atwood, we've had about 44 years, Pastor Bertram, where God's always been doing something. Oh, we've had some moments, yes. 
We've had a lot of revival here where God's moving. Because there's been a unity of God's people of compatibility. We'll get along one accord. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.